J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. I'm Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm John Chafee. This is the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. Thank you for listening. And today... We've got a great interview ahead of us. This is Dan Dupee offers some great advice here. Yeah, Jonathan, yeah. what should we listen so, for? So Dan Dupee, um, the first thing I will tell you is that he used to be the um, the executive director, I think was the term. He's still the chairperson of the board of an organization called CCO. The, thing, the cool thing about the CCO, and in fact, I would love to see a youth ministry organization do something almost exactly the same. What they do is they partner with a church. And they say, okay, um, someone will work at your church full time, but they will pay um, half, they will raise half of their, their salary, and then the church pays half the salary. Mm-hmm. They actually work officially for the CCO. So therefore, they're getting all their benefits and all that stuff from uh-huh. CCO. The church pays CCO. So, but the really neat thing about this is the church gets basically a college ministry person for half price. Um, we at our oh. church have two CCO staff members, and just like Young Life, they actually pick a school to focus on. So it's not just like they're the college person, but they're the college person for this specific university. Mm-hmm. Now, some mm-hmm. universities, actually many universities, have multiple CCO people that are targeting it, but it, it's just in a very, it's a very, very effective model. And actually, I can say a little commercial here for it is that the number one thing they're having trouble doing right now is recruiting people to be on the staff. Mm. Uh, they, they need more mm. people. And honestly, if you're getting out of college and you're thinking about ministry, but you're not sure if you're quite ready for it, CCO is something to seriously consider. Mm. Uh, it's, an, it's an amazing organization. You get incredible training. They do this thing called Jubilee. Uh, it's based out of Pittsburgh. It's really incredible, and you should look it up. But, so Dan comes out of that setting. But he actually starts noticing more and more as he's doing college ministry stuff that what they're doing and who they are and how their faith is actually presenting itself in college pretty much has everything to do Mm -hmm. with what happened before they got to college. I mean, they they can try to do what they can, but it has like everything to do. As we said in our last interview about the, you know, the 14 year old that, you know, um, as Dan is Vanek. Uh, was saying about 14-year-olds. Well, this Dan, you're getting a double dose of Dan, by the way. Oh, yeah. Double Dan. Yeah. So the the idea that, oh, wow. And then, and then so Dan Dupee looked into the studies more and more and more. He wrote a book called It's Not Too Late. You should really check it out. But it's about how, here's the problem. Mom and dad think, oh, the older they get, the more independence they, they really need. And they actually start pulling away more and more. But when it comes to their spiritual growth, they actually need more and more support at mm. this time. They need, and this is important, more family support in that uh, time than they've uh-huh. had. And what parents tend to do, and I'll be honest, youth ministry has kind of encouraged this, is pulled away. Yeah. And so Dan talks a lot about that. We talk about a lot about different... Oh, we talk a lot. So we're actually um, coming up against it. So we should probably just go ahead sure. and throw to the interview. Listen to this guy. He's an amazingly relatable guy. Have him come to your church and talk to your parents. Uh, we had him do it here. It, it, it was a wonderful time. It is not time wasted or money wasted at all. What an incredible interview. And I hope you enjoy it. And, and by the way, take notes. 
We are here today with uh, Dan Dupee. Dan, welcome to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Hey, uh, Dan, for the people that don't know who Dan Dupee is, uh, tell us, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm a father. We have four children. My wife, Carol, and I have been married for 33 years. We've got 25-year-old twin boys. Whoa. We have 21-year-old twin girls. So we have the, the sort of uh, a rare combination when it comes to our, our family composition. Have you ever looked up the odds? Like, not the odds. Like, do you know how many other families even have that? Well, it's the, the, the numbers seem to change all the time, uh-huh. but I, I don't know the current odds of having that or how many of us there are. That's, a, that's, a, that's incredible. Yeah. I've never, wow. Like, the, for 17 years, I was the president of the Coalition for Christian Outreach, the CCO, a ministry to college students. Uh, I'm chairman of the board of that organization now, and uh, a lot of the, a lot of my interest in the issues that w- that I talk about in my book that we'll talk about today come as a consequence not only of raising my own kids, but seeing other kids as they transition, you know, from adolescence to young adulthood. And and I I think we can probably uh, jump right into. Let's talk about uh, CCO now. Uh, part of your history, you, you, you've you kind of been someone in the, am I going to get this right? Like Ohio, Pittsburgh is kind of where your life has been centralized. Uh, and so shout out to them. But uh, with, with the, uh, in the Ohio, Pittsburgh area is where CCO sort of came out of and is, is doing really amazing things. I've been seeing it in my own church. I've seen it in other people's churches. But uh, for the people that don't know, why don't we actually start more about CCO is a, is a college ministry that partners with churches, and I'll let you kind of take it from there, because I think it's rather unique. So. It is. The, the The ministry started in 1971. It's grown to about 140 campuses, and that's one of the two or three distinctives, is the connection to the church, which is hand-in-glove. We are the ministry of the local church when it comes to college students. Yeah. Yeah. Our desire is to, to reach uh, the campus with the church uh, together and to fold students into the life of the congregation, because that's the long-term place where they're going to thrive. Absolutely, and, and it's uh, and so like you partner with a church, and you actually I don't want to say target that, but but you 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 target a school, a specific school. It's not just hey, this is a church, and you know all the college. You know, no, it's we want to reach out specifically to this place, and I really love that. Uh, and I also like that it is an, it's a parachurch, but I really do love the hand-in-glove thing you mentioned about, no, no, we're, we're trying to help the church. We're trying to actually work right alongside and, uh, and really more than right alongside, actually, within. Uh, and I've seen great, I really have seen great things come of it. So with the college ministry, as you're, as you're doing it, um, you start noticing some things. And, I, and I've heard you and some other people from CCO talk about this, and I've really, really liked it. So I'd love for you to say a few things about it now, about, wow, we're starting to notice patterns of the people that are able to maintain their faith. Uh, and, and actually, CCO is, I think, the first people I heard talk about this. Now there's a lot of, uh, kind of there's a lot of different voices that are speaking into this, and it's wonderful. But uh, CCO was, I think, the first place I heard about this. So if you could speak to that, that'd be great. Yeah, the the uh, and it, and it's an issue because the the data that we have suggests something like sixty percent of kids who grow up in the church you know leave it during college. Right, right. So we're we're interested in this because this is where we see things, a lot of times the wheels come off. Right. But for students who do have a good transition, 
you know, the, the, the National Study on Youth and Religion had, had a cluster of six things they found in common for kids who do make a good transition. There were things that were true about those young people at the age of 18. And the top of that list of six things is the influence and example of highly religious parents. And I think what the researchers meant by highly religious is parents who say something and then do the thing they say. Mm. So if they're, you oh, know, if you're good. saying, oh, hey, I think I think Jesus is awesome. I think, but it's like, you know, I think I'm blowing a church off today. Right. That that's right. that that would not be an influence, an example of highly religious spirit. That would be something else. So that 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 was one of the first kind of aha mm. pieces of data that we you know that we saw in looking at pre-college people. Fascinating. Yeah. And that and that's kind of where especially the book um, now now you're you're branching out and uh, it's kind of nice you're 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 talking to people actually that are parents of teenagers in high school and maybe even middle school or even preteens. Uh, you have a book out. It's called "It's Not Too Late," uh, which and then uh, the uh, I, I want to say it correctly here because uh, the essential part you play in shaping your teen's faith uh, and I, I guess. Uh, you you walk through myths, is that right? Like, yeah. and I, I think that then maybe this is probably the biggest myth or the overarching one is a parent thinks as a good parent I need to step back more and more in the teen years, which in certain ways that's right. If you're still walking them to the bus stop, that's a problem. That would be a problem. Yes, that's a problem. We we, we say that in the name of Jesus. Uh, please don't, please don't do that anymore. Um, but thanks, mom. But. Uh, but like for you, for you, in the faith area, though, stepping back actually is it's a myth that that's something where you step back. Uh, can you speak to that? That's yeah, it's a it's a phenomenon that 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 I felt that I'd seen, but it's when the the researcher who spearheaded the national study on youth and religion, Christian Smith, who teaches at Notre Dame, really really well respected researcher, and Smith noticed in the research. Here's here's how he talked about. It. He says, you know. We stay engaged in things that we feel like we have to stay engaged in with our teenagers. You know, oh. we, may, we may stay engaged in their finances, their dating lives, their academics. But when we get the eye roll or the other verbal or nonverbal cue, hey, back off a little bit, mom right, and dad. Right. He says we start backpedaling first in the area of their relationship with God. Interesting. Which I found, and to some degree, you know, a little bit startling. But but when you think about it, it, it makes sense because that can be a, an uncomfortable area for some parents to talk to their kids right. about. But so the withdrawal happens first there. Interesting. And and then and Smith uh, goes on and tracks sort of the trajectory of what happens from then on. And w- what he says, and this is the part that just gives me chills every time I read it or every time I talk about it. At the very moment our kids most need a conversation partner, we may have made ourselves unavailable to them. Wow. Just by, you know, just continuing to backpedal. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and obviously we're not talking about, and this is how it's been for the last 200 years. I mean, uh, but it is, it's very relevant to how parents are parenting right now. And so um, now you do, you have the book that's out, um, wh- where can people find this book? Yeah, the my favorite bookseller <laughs> is Hearts and Minds Books. Hearts uh, and Minds Hearts Books. Hearts and Minds Books. Uh, if you just 
Google Hearts and Minds books, you'll find a bookstore okay. that we all would feel awesome about supporting. <laughs> uh, of nice. course, it is available on Amazon. You can pick okay. it up there. Uh, if you want to order a bunch of them, you get them directly from Baker Books, the publisher. Baker Books, the publisher. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and it's Not Too Late by Dan Dupee, D-U-P-E-E. Um, I think that this is a great book to walk through. Well, number one, I think a youth director should be reading this. But I think that, um, or actually, I would just say, would you agree that more and more, I think youth ministry is starting to recognize that the, that me just talking to a kid at Starbucks, that's great. That's, re- that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not the whole game. In fact, that's actually just a, that's one tick of the whole thing. And a thing that we've been missing for maybe I'd say the last oh, 20, 30 years in youth ministry is the fact that what you said about those six main influences, mom and dad are by far number one. Yes. And so all of a sudden, this realization that we have to start ministering to parents and equipping parents. So, I mean, have you seen, I mean, uh, your kids are now in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Did you see that start to shift as your kids were in youth groups and things like that? Yeah, it's a good It's a good question. I think I have noticed that there's a, sort of a, a growing sense of momentum around the very thing you've brought up, John. There's mm-hmm. more interest in equipping parents, encouraging parents, yeah. reminding parents that, the, you know, they're the ones swinging the big bat. Yeah. I think, I think for us, it just always made sense. Right. You know, we spend more time with these kids. <laughs> we have that, you know, we're, we're just, our, our opportunities are, are infinitely greater than that of any children or youth ministry person with our children. It's not to, not to say that, you know, the work of a youth Minister, the, uh, a youth worker isn't significant. It's hugely significant. It's yeah. just that you you're never going to get as much time with one of my kids as I am. Right. The right. question is, what am I doing with the time that I have? Mm-hmm. So I do think it. I do think it's a trend. Uh, it, it hasn't hit everywhere because you know, there's some thinking that's fairly deeply entrenched about sure. the you know the sort of the mythology of adolescence yep. and yep. and and uh, you know what what our what our roles are. I mean, I can remember in a focus group hearing a parent of a 13-year-old girl say, well, I guess I'm done now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was just that stark, and I and I, I wanted to, you know, call a timeout and yeah. say, can we go talk somewhere? Yeah. Because wow. that's not a... But it, it, that thing that she was brave enough to say right. is yeah. something that I think is fairly common, usually in the back of the mind of the parent, not the front, but it's there. And, and, and like, the whole point of the book here is actually that we know you probably feel that way. However, the exact opposite is actually true. The exact opposite. In fact, at 13, it seems to be the kids more than ever don't want to admit that you influence them. But people always think like, oh, I I have more influence over my five-year-old. Yes. Um, But oddly enough, it's people like, I have so much less influence over my 13-year-old. But what I what I read from you and what I hear from you is that no, you actually have way more than you think. It, it might go down, or actually it might even go up, but it, it's a it's a little tick down. It, you have a lot more influence than you're giving yourself credit. Is that kind of something that we need to be telling parents? Again? Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think because, and I think there like one of the reasons that the one of the distinctions that we can make that I think is helpful to parents is the difference between having control and having influence. Oh, that's good. Because the reality, I mean, with a five-year-old, you got a fair amount of control. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, and well, with a with a yeah, well, not with my five. Do- that's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every right I, as soon as I said that, I thought, well, I've seen some five year olds that you know they they yeah, but the 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 you know you don't. It's not a uh, the opportunity to exert control is not the opportunity in adolescence. It's it's influence, yeah, which works differently. It's oh, you know it's so not good. directives. It's conversation. It's not declaratives. It's questions. You know, you're really more, your your position is more and more and more and more coming alongside the 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 young person in your home as opposed wow. to to the place where you necessarily need to tell them you need to take a shower, young man. Right, right. You know, which you may need to do with adolescents because right. they smell bad. But the way you do it might actually make it so they're definitely not going to shower. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I mean, would you would you say that the more we try to exert control, we actually start to lose the influence? Yes. Because because we just don't have that. You can't... Okay, that, that's, and that's where okay. I think that's where I think folks think, oh. well, gosh, I'm, I'm out of the game. Well, it's because... You're, you you might still be using the same thing that worked with a ten year old. That's not going to work with a fourteen year old. Yeah, that's a different ball game. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. The um, we're, let's just say that there's a youth director listening right now. That's like, dude, I, I feel like I'm treading water, you know, as it is, and now I got to add a parent thing. Come on, and I mean. Uh, what I'm finding too is that like, that's the way I first thought about it when I first started hearing about these things, you know, sticky faith. And I'm like, so I got to blow up my ministry because you've decided I got to minister to parents. <laughs> you know, I, and in three years, somebody's yeah. going to decide something the yeah. opposite. Well, that's yeah. it. Number yeah. one, this is more than a fad. I think that's yeah. important to really say, but also like, uh, like there's incremental things that make big differences, yes. right? Like yes. we're not telling you to, hey, by the way, youth group, that's that's the devil. I just want you to know when we separate the kids from the parents, like I- I'm tired. I'm so tired of all the blogs that have talked about, um, oh, do your kids go to a different service than you? Oh, that's a shame. I'm like, oh. Yeah, that's not a. It's not necessarily a helpful thing yeah. because I, I want to point to all the churches that are knocking it out of the park doing that yeah. and, and, and have a great track record. But, I, but at the same time, I'm kind of there like you're also, you're kind of saying like, oh, you're a bad church. That's nice. You know, yeah. where instead I, I would like us to be more encouraging and say, oh, by the way, did you add like, and I'm just saying, I'm hoping I give you opportunity to say, what is like that? one or two events during the year or like, can, can I change in a, a retreat? Just cause buddy, I, I feel like I'm, I'm barely making it as it is. I'm not so sure I can change my program, but what are some things that maybe even you've seen work? That's just a little tiny tweak. Yeah, a little. And I think that's the great way of looking at it because here's the, the reality for the parent who has uh, the parents who, who are in a central role of spiritual nurture. Mm-hmm. When you uh, move, step into that role, your youth director is one of your heroes. Mm. It, it repositions the youth director as the sort of the fall guy to pull off this miracle with my kid to you're the cavalry. I mean, here here comes a cavalry over the hill, man. Here comes John. Here comes uh, our the, the, the youth director at our church, also, also a Jonathan. Oh wow! Was was uh, so you know he was a good guy. But he yeah, was he solid. was so he was he was like a, a a fuel additive. I mean, he was just we were so yeah. excited about our kids mm. spending time with him in whatever capacity they could, and and he was excited about us in turn. You know, he came yeah. by our house one night, 
and and he was standing outside the storm door and looking back the hallway into our kitchen. And I did the same thing that I do with our sons. I used to do with our sons as, when they were teenagers, virtually every night, which is stand together, hold hands, and pray. Mm-hmm. He saw that, and well, that was tremendously encouraging to him. So the first thing is we are in the mutual encouragement business, parents and youth directors. If you're a youth director, mm. one of the one of the tweaks you can make is is just the, the attaboy and recognizing I'm I'm not and I'm not attaboying mom and dad from a position of knowing everything or being there somehow they're better. I'm in right. the game with them and I'm just like parents large by and large don't think they can do this. Mm. And part of the opportunity we have when we come alongside them is you can. God has equipped you to do this. You are, you're doing great stuff. I see things in your kid. Let me tell you what I caught her, caught him doing. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's oxygen to parents. Yeah. And I think more than anything, keeping parents encouraged and not worrying so much about you know, rehauling youth ministry and giving parents massive amounts of tools and because that's not where the game gets won or lost. Mm-hmm. The content piece, you know, the catechetical piece, that can we can we can do that. The bigger deal is keeping the relationship strong between parents and kids and keeping parents encouraged that their pursuit of Christ is the wake in which their kids will follow. Yes, yes. You know, and not yeah. looking and, and just taking the pressure off people to to get everything right. It's not great for youth workers. It's not great for parents. It's like, you know, we're going to be okay. You're, but you are, I love what you're doing. You know, keep doing it. Keep after it. Here's what I saw your kid doing. Thought you ought to know. That's the stuff that, that's more huge. than anything. Yeah. That is fuel to fire. You're absolutely right. The... Um, have you seen uh, youth, like, uh, just like specific examples, or, or maybe not, but just like, have you seen youth ministries do, uh, I don't know, like I said, like things like a retreat or an event a little differently? Like, we, we decided to change our uh, winter kickoff. Yeah. And we just ran out of bowling alley, and, but we decided it's for the whole family. It's not, winter kickoff is not for the youth and, and their friends, it's for the entire family and all their friends. And that's been. Number one, that's been way more successful than I think almost anything else we do. Uh, but on top of that, it, it's a it's a touch point with the parents. We actually do the parent meeting during that time. Actually, we kind of get it uh, done that way. But we're just finding like, you know, I didn't change our youth ministry, but I just made one of our events instead of a youth event a family event. And have, have you seen other things done like that that have been working? Well, I think I, I love the example that you gave. First of all, I think that's worth noting. Uh, what I've seen, I, I also think that it's worth noting. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you very much. No, Thank it's, you. A, no, it's a good. Feels, it feels good. <laughs> well, it's no, but it's taking it's taking what you know and putting legs on it and oh, being good. willing to try try something. Mm-hmm. What I've seen and what I commend uh, is I'm not an expert in, in youth programming, so so I would defer to smarter people than me who are. I think people are cooking up the stuff, mm. as in the example that you gave, and they're and they're doing it now. So people ought to just keep their eyes peeled for for successful models. I think in a church context, uh, looking for opportunities where youth can be in the room with parents 
and other people's parents and other influential adults because the, the surprise piece from the data, the biggest surprise of anything, was the influence of adults in a congregation who are not parents. Mm. So the in that cluster of six things that were predictive of a good transition yeah. that were true about 18-year-olds, um, the, the, here's the way the researchers say it. The teen has many adults in a congregation to turn to for help and support. Oh, wow. So it turns out that this thing is really a team sport. Yeah. The challenge, John, I think is how do we get our young people in good relationship with other adults the I'm not sure you can do it programmatically. Sure, sure. I, I, but I do think if, if, as an example, if five families were in a small group together over a long period of time, mm-hmm. that's the kind of setting where it happens pretty organically. Yep. If there's a if there's a mission trip that can be done inclusive yes. of everybody, that's where it happens organically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think I those like are that. the things where where okay, what can we do? What can we do to kind of mix different people in uh, who who might connect well, and particularly adults who are sort of alert to the influence they have with kids yeah. and, are, and, are, and are willing to really show up. Some of our adults, we just need to get the message in front of them. You know, when, particularly when I'm speaking and preaching, I'm raising the call for uh, adults who are not the parent of a particular kid. Look, the data says... You saying hello to a teenager on a Sunday morning after church may actually end up being a game changer. Yeah, that could have eternal consequences. Absolutely, uh, and I, I think that's that's wonderful to hear, actually, uh, because that way you're not trying to get. At, listen, I need you to sign up to be, you know, the meet weekly with these kids. It's like, hey, buddy, you know what I need you to do. I need you to friggin' say hi. That's, I need you to yeah. say hi and smile and shake their hand and maybe remember their name, but that's that's stage two. We'll we'll get to that, yeah. you know. But that that's just wonderful to hear that to, to to get everybody on mission with that is not that hard of a thing. Well, it was yeah. you know a quick story. I was speaking uh, to a, a group in Cincinnati, and and it was an intimidating engagement because <laughs> most of the most of the mentors from the early days of my faith were in the room. Oh, wow. People who have been heroes to me for years. And one of them was a woman uh, named Judy Haig. Uh, Judy's had MS for a lot of years, but she's fought the fight well. She's in a wheelchair, but she is, man, she's all there. And uh, as I, as I, gave a brief, you know, 25 minute overview of the book. And I, and I ended with this point of, mm-hmm. of other adults who can have an influence on, on our kids and we can have an influence on other people's kids. And I end with, I, I, so I finished up and I go over to talk to Judy and she's holding her wheelchair and she's almost shaking and wow. she is red in the face. And I thought, boy, what did I say? So I, Judy, uh, so what'd you think of my talk? You know, <laughs> And she, she looked at me and she said, just say hi, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for years, as a single woman who's been around kids, yeah. she has understood the influence yes. she's privileged to have. And 
and I tell you what, it's it's real. Her, the litany of particularly young men, football players, you yeah. know, that, that she's influenced is just yeah. it's a long list. But she was awake to it, mm-hmm. and her mm-hmm. point was, look, this is not that hard. It's, this isn't rocket science. This is saying hi. Mm-hmm. This is honest to goodness. This is pretty much common courtesy. Yeah, I would even wonder. You kept saying organically, and I really like that because I'm wondering more and more now in in my old age, uh, if youth ministry the way that we kind of used to do it, where we we almost had to work to keep parents out. If that makes any mm-hmm. sense. In fact, old school youth ministry where mom and dad aren't involved at all, like that's the non organic version. Like that's where we had to, and now maybe mom and dad are used to that. And we're like trying to say, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, it, we're sort of unfortunately trying to backpedal from our own, uh, you know, our own trap that we set for ourselves. But I like that idea that, yeah, organically family is kind of supposed to be involved. That's actually yeah. the way it's kind of supposed to work. Um, I, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Um, if people, uh, do you, do you, are you on Twitter? Do if people want to follow you, if they want to stalk you in a, Totally healthy way. In a, in a completely healthy way. Well, or, or maybe not. You know, yeah, we can't stop I am them. on Facebook. I, I'm uh, And my book, It's Not Too Late, has its own Facebook presence. And oh, then nice. I can also be, uh, you can find me at the CCO website, www.ccojubilee.org. I'm in all those places. Oh, very, very cool. Well, Dan Dupee, thank you so much for being on the J3 Podcast. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure. And we're back from the interview with Dan Dupee. And we're back. And we're back. Can I just say that when I typed in Dan Dupee, it changed his last name to Super. Just saying. Wow. Auto text thanks Dan well, Dupee. That's a Freudian awesome. Is Super. Exactly. <laughs> he auto-corrected it to Super. Right. Yes. Super Dan. So I have a number of things that are written down from this interview. Probably at the forefront is the influence of the parents on the faith formation of the teenager. Yeah. What do you got on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's And we alluded to this in the pre-interview conversation, but the necessity of parents to lean in in the high school years instead of pulling away is so critical. Mm. Uh, And... Uh, parents, I mean, all the studies are showing, you know, from Fuller, from, you know, the Rethink yeah. group, like all of these yep. studies are showing that, that parents yeah. are the glue. They're the number one influencer of kids' faith. And so yeah. as they continue to get older, it's not time to just take your hands off the reins and yeah. say, well, can't do it anymore. But one thing I do know, I even talked to a parent uh, Sunday ago, just they don't, the fear of a lot of parents is they don't want to apply pressure and have kids become resistant mm. and uh, just, uh, yeah, you know, just, just, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. what's the word? <laughs> and just <laughs> um, resistant. In this line of work, it's great to completely blank space in your brain. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's That's wonderful. Well, good. let me take it for you here, real fast. Um, and you're going to like interrupt me when you memorize, when you remember what it is. But I, so I heard Kara Powell talk recently at a conference and she was mentioning, she actually, I thought had a great example. She's like her kids. Okay. Her kids both like love the youth ministry at their church and they're very, very active at their church. And she says, guess what? Still, still the youth directors and the small group leaders are probably maybe around for 10% of my kid's life. Okay, wow. at, at best, 
At yeah. be- and that, that, that's a healthy, great thing. But she said, you know what? Um, and she gave this example, and it made me think. You know what? When, uh, when my daughter uh, was dating this guy, and he kind of pulled up, and they had the talk, and, uh, uh, and, and he broke up with her, the small group leader wasn't there. I was. I'm the mom. You know, and, and this is the thing I would throw to you because some people were like, oh, but I wish they called the small group leader. I'm sure later they did. But the mom should be the person the kid wants to talk to. Yeah. Okay. If you're a small group leader and you're upset that you weren't the first person they called, that's an ego thing like we were talking yeah. about. Uh-huh. You know, that that's another one of our ego things. And we, I will say... Um, I don't. I agree with uh, Dan Danny Kwan that we talked to about. I, I don't believe it. If you're, you know, if you're not a parent, you don't get it. Yeah, I I agree, but I will say now that I am a parent, I don't even have teenagers, and I already get it way more than I did before I had kids. That I want to be where my daughter comes, or my wife, mm. where, where, where where my daughter goes when she has a heartbreak. I, I want my wife and and I to be where she's willing to talk. Yeah. And if we're and if we're not. Yeah, go go talk to someone from church. Absolutely, but I, I think it's an important thing to realize that mom and dad's on the front line. Now, I will say there's there's two ways you can go with this that, in my opinion, are wrong. You can decide that none of this is accurate, and you're just going to be the youth person putting on a youth program. Mm. And I think I think actually you're failing at youth ministry if you do that. Honest to goodness, if you, if, say it again. If you if you what? just put on a youth program and you are just keeping your head down ministering to youth, I do not contact the parents. I do not have much interaction with parents. Period. And you don't try to. Mm. Then I think you're failing. On the other end of the spectrum, I do believe you are a youth director. You are a youth minister, and that you are to minister to youth and their families. So therefore, if you only yeah. want to minister to the family, like if you're not really that interested in the youth themselves, but you're only then then you're not a youth director. Then what you are is you're like the associate pastor for family or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a different ball game too. Mm-hmm. But a good youth director should have their feet in both places, where the parents say, "Wow, it's amazing how helpful the youth director's emails are." I don't know about you guys. It yeah. was a, it was a mind blowing mm-hmm. idea. Hey, my parents should know what we're talking about at youth group. Uh-huh. Just the title of the talk yeah. and the bottom line is so incredibly helpful for a parent to know. I keep a, I do a weekly email to all families and youth and parents and all of my youth committee of not only the weekly occurring events, but the special monthly events that yep. are coming up. And I think if you don't have parents on the radar of how you do youth ministry, like if they aren't in your scope of what you think you need to, who you need to relate to. Yeah, you need to have a broader vision. Yeah, and it the younger you are, the scarier it is because you true. you basically view the parents as your authority, whether you realize it or not. That's a really good point. That's it is. Point. It's a strange thing, but as you get older, like I it. have parents that are pretty much around my age now, <laughs> and you yeah. know my yeah. kids are five and under. So it is strange that I am now welcomed among their tribe. Well, and, and uh, even more so to me, it's. I'm f- my friends' kids are now coming to youth group. Mm. Like, like, like we came to this <laughs> church. We became friends with Tom. We became friends with Allison. We became, and now Allison and Tom's kids in my youth group. I'm like, uh, uh, this is getting weird for me. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, but there's that sense of, um, yeah, that 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 yeah. I, I'm I don't have to be afraid of this concept of parenting anymore. Uh, I think that's a, a mm-hmm. really good point. He also makes a good comment about how you can encourage the parents to tell the difference between 
control and influence over your teenager. Mm. That was one of my right? favorite parts of the whole thing. Yeah. That, yes. that control that, and influence are two different things. That in pre-adolescence yeah. and when they're small kids, you can have this role of being more in control. But as they start to show more autonomy, you have to start shifting into being an influencer. Yeah. Right. And I think it's a, a easy temptation to just go hands off. Mm-hmm. If you can't control rather right. than, no, 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 you need to still be a massive influence. Especially when the kid starts bucking against it. I have, this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, because we were all teens once. There's a power struggle, even mm-hmm. with the best parents. It's my true. favorite is when I have high school seniors be like, well, I'll be 18, so then I'll be an adult. I'm like, meh. <laughs> no, <laughs> you won't. <laughs> I mean, you, you can, won't be so cute. Yeah, I know. You can buy cigarettes, but that's about it. Uh, <laughs> like, you're too. still under your parents' roof, and you're going to go to college and have this weird transitional phase yeah. where you're still half under their roof. Like, there is a handoff for sure, mm-hmm. and it's got to be tough as parents to figure that out. But our job is to resource them. It's our job to connect them with other parents who are going through this. So even if we're not walking in the trenches and can't give specific advice, we can point them to other people who can. Absolutely. So I just love telling my parents, listen, yeah, sure. You're not in control anymore. And if you do, you're lying. If you think you are, you're still lying. You're lying to yourself, but you, you are an influencer, whether you take on the role or not. So what I don't like is when an 18 year old is there saying like, I haven't heard my mom or dad talk about God in the last five years because mom or dad thought, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm no longer in control of it. So therefore I'll back away. But what you did is you ended up giving up your influence, Yeah, which you still have. And I'm like, no, I, I want parents having spiritual conversations with their kids on the regular. I understand some parents can't do the daily devotional thing. I get it. That's, that's, that's not the be all end all. Mm-hmm. There, it is not in the scriptures that Mary had a daily devotional with Jesus mm-hmm. uh, or vice versa, I guess right. it might have been, right? <laughs> so, but I think it is important to understand that I, I know that with my parents, I keep going back to this story I love to tell about how my dad and I were having a conversation when I was in college, or I might have even been in seminary at that point, and we were talking about the uh, the, the prayer, the, the Lord's Prayer, and he said, I don't like it when people skip the, and then he descended into hell. He goes, Jesus had to go to hell, because for me, he had, he had and, and like, my dad's talking, my, my eyes mm. are getting wide. I don't even know if I'd agree with him or not, but my dad is having a... Th- Deep theological rant. Mm-hmm. I had never heard him say anything like that before. Mm-hmm. He was being deeper than most of my professors and were. You at that remember point. it? Like I it stands so out. remember that yes. moment in a diner in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, and just going, "You've thought about this?" Yeah, I mm-hmm. never. So knew. how old were you at this point? I was. I was in. I was. I was over eighteen. I was like probably 22, 21. Okay. Like uh-huh. I was. Yeah. And so anyway. Mom and dads out there, actually, this is the thing, because most mom and dads aren't listening to this, but youth directors, parents are having theological conversations with mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. Yeah. But to maybe empower them to have them with the kid is one of the most important things we can do. Um, people have been talking about this for a long time. Mark DeVries did it so many years ago. Dan Dupee is doing an amazing job with it. But I just want to say, as youth directors, if we haven't helped connect if we thought that we're the be-all, end-all, I, I, um, I forget if he says this in the interview, we don't even make the top three spiritual influencers. Right. Yeah, or something, that's true. Or something amazing like right. that. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh. I know. You know? It hurts. Oh, my heart. <laughs> my heart. I heard it um, put 
recently yeah. that the three most important variables to a youth's formation, youths, one, Did the faith of the youth? parents, two, uh, whether or not they have relationship with other people of other decades of life, mm-hmm. and three, whether or not they're given uh, meaningful responsibilities at the church. Yeah, and, and, and boom, boom, Dan boom. Dupuy and basically that's talks none about... none of us. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Director. And Dan Dupuy mentions, I think it's like three or four things, and they're very, very similar mm-hmm. to that, not exactly the same. But once again, we're not on the list. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think that... Um, but how can we moderate and become people that help those things to yeah. happen? And if I can even show off a little bit, because that's why we do this... Um, when we talked about students taking the lead, remember how we said yeah. a few, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago about, I forget which one episode exactly it was, but we talked about how I, I really love getting students up front. By yeah. the way, guess yeah. a great way for mom and dad to suddenly be interested in youth group and what's going on. Oh, my son's doing the talk. All yeah. of a sudden they show up and they right. just sit in the back, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, I mean, you will have a conversation with mom and dad if little Timmy is doing the talk. And I should have actually said back then, Yes, sometimes I have high schools go to the middle school, but I've had a middle schooler do the middle school talk. Like I've gone that crazy. That's mm. cool. And it works. Yeah, and so I just want to encourage you. We are already over um, 40 minutes on this episode, so I want to kind of shut it down. But uh, my last encouragement to everyone is get involved. Let the parents get involved. Um, um, open the doors as much as you can. It's not your fault if they don't go through the door, but it is your job to yeah. make sure that door is open. For me, I would like to say, don't don't be one of those people that feels the need to correct parents about how they should be doing parenting. Oh, that better. is so good. Instead, be the person that helps celebrate everything that they're doing right. Yeah. Because I believe that being a parent, just like being a teenager today is harder, I think being a parent today is also harder. Mm-hmm. So be somebody who's an encourager, who validates and tries to celebrate everything that a parent is doing or trying to do for the benefit of their teen. Yeah, and the last thing I'll add is, if you are not a parent, if the the word parent frightens you, you're not alone. Uh, That is a common thing in youth ministry. You you may want to excel at ministering to parents, but you have no idea how to do it. Best thing you can do is, number one, find someone who is, who is going to be your parent sage, your parent minister Mm. in your ministry. It uh, doesn't have to be an actual paid position, just some parent who gets it and wants to reach out to other parents as well. It's the best thing you can do to start figuring out how to mm-hmm. win in the area of ministry to parents, find mm-hmm. someone who's able to do it. But with that being said, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm Johnny Radcliffe. I'm Jonathan Hobbs. And I'm John Chafee. Thank you for listening. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to the J3 Youth Ministry Podcast. The J3 J- 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 J-